What's up, guys? Um, oh, fuck. <laughs> I like how this is how I'm starting off because I just sounded like a basic bitch-ass YouTuber. <laughs> fuck. Uh, okay, I'm going to try to be more genuine from now on. At least at least I'll try. I mean, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But uh, I just finished up doing a, a quick interview with, uh, with Coach Gabe. It was a really good interview. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the contents of it. The reason why I'm doing a quick little preview... Uh, more so is because the um, there's a bit of a quality issue because it's done from me in person, obviously, and him on Skype. There could have been a little bit more better of a transition in regards to the audio. I'll, I'll work that out in the tweaks for the future. Um, but for right now, it, it is what it is. And we'll move forward. Um, and as well as there's a transition between the 40 to 50 minute mark because there was an issue in regards to my end. But I mean, we put it out as we could. Um, and by we, I mean me. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this. Yeah, dude, Zayd is absolutely awesome. Um, he's somebody that we connected with, um, you know, a while back. We just connected through Twitter, started talking to him a bit. And once we started the podcast, he was, you know, one of those primary guests that we wanted to get on. Um, and I, he has like a website, he writes blog posts and stuff like that. But he's an absolute killer um, with his mindset and he really talks about you know, personal responsibility and, and all these things. And when we were doing kind of our homework before the podcast, mm. just kind of researching and making sure we knew you know, everything we needed to know, figuring out topics to talk about, um, we came across this hilarious article of his, which it's, it's actually a serious article. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we laughed initially, um, and it was like the power of semen retention. <laughs> and then, I, I, yeah, I listened to about that. Yeah, man, that, that was funny, and uh, we, we wrote it down, we were like, okay, we want, we want to bring this up, um, and he, he's a super cool guy, like, he's hilarious, and we, we asked him if it was cool if we talked about it beforehand, and when we brought it up, um, you know, I kind of I kind of chuckled a bit, Yeah. Um, and he was like, <laughs> yeah, like, semen retention is, you know, one of the most powerful things that young men can do, and he was, was so serious about that, but I found, I found that really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, you know what the funny thing is, I'm like, this is going to be how the, I'm sorry, not one of the first podcasts, but I'm going to dive into it, because I am kind of curious, um, have you done, like, any other, like, side research, like, into that, because, like, if I'm being honest, I have been, like, kind of focusing on myself, like, a little bit more on, like, I guess that retention, and essentially yeah. channeling in that energy, and I have noticed it personally, and then I have noticed it's made me a little bit more aggressive at times. I'm just like, don't fucking talk to me, dog. <laughs> Dude, I haven't done um, any research into semen uh, retention specifically, yeah. but from what I know about cortisol patterns and setting up your cortisol pattern in a way that's just optimal um, for peaking and performance and mm. then optimal for coming down from that so that you can you know de-stress at the end of the day and get a quality night's sleep it makes a lot of sense one thing that i do know that i implement with all of my clients um, that i originally learned from joe bennett mm. was just optimizing your cortisol pattern so cortisol is just you know quote unquote the stress hormone uh -huh. um, and if your cortisol is high or chronically too high it creates a catabolic environment so your processes that are going on in your body cellularly are less conducive towards actually building muscle tissue um so 
it's not something we can completely avoid having high cortisol levels, but it's something we can control um, in an optimal way. And it tends to be, you know, kind of first thing in the morning when we're waking up, um, we're, we're, it's a good thing to be kind of in that high stress emotional state. We're day ready for the day, getting mm. going. Um, and we kind of try to peak that when we train. Um, when we're working out, because mm. when we have those high cortisol levels, um, we're able to utilize them and transfer that emotional energy into physical energy. Um, and it kind of seems to be optimal to taper them down as the day goes on. So yeah. it, it's technically optimal to work out in the morning because you create that high stress environment and you're able to taper it down smoothly throughout the rest of the day. Um, you could probably imagine if you had like a, a huge workout you know, at 11 o'clock at night, you would have to get psyched up for that workout, create this high cortisol environment, and it'll be really hard for you to come down from that and get a good night's sleep right after. Um, so that's kind of the gist of what I know about that. And it seems like avoiding that cortisol kind of dump release from ejaculating or jerking off yeah. um, seems to make be a, a good strategy to kind of control that cortisol pattern. And so it makes a lot of sense. In regards to um, to the semen retention, I guess, per- keeping it professional, I'm like, even though I'm a fucking dumbass. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but in regards to, like, your clients and everything like that, um, how often do you make them, like, abstain from that? Is it, like, three days? Is it a week, et cetera? Or is it more so like a, like an avoiding porn? Because I've been following a lot of recent pages recently that, that you follow and like a few other people that inspire me, follow, like they follow. And pretty much in short, I mean, it's kind of obvious. I've heard about it before, but I didn't really take it into too much consideration that essentially porn is yeah. bad for like your mental well-being. Um, that's, that, that's what I've heard. I don't know if you have like any information on regards to that since I only know the bare minimum in short. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And in, in regards to semen retention specifically, I haven't actually recommended that to any clients. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm sure I, I probably have clients that struggle with that, and that might be an area that could be optimized. Um, but the demographic that I kind of work with isn't, you know, the 18 to 24 year old male typically mm-hmm. tends to be more like 25 all the way up to 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not something that we really cover, but gotcha. um, one thing we do cover a lot is optimizing those dopamine patterns so if there's anything whether it be watching the news scrolling on social media eating junk food watching porn that is gonna succumb you to kind of that cheap dopamine yeah. reward system and create that reward system of in your brain of instant gratification then it's gonna bleed into all the other areas of your life so if somebody is struggling with pornography and they are giving into those cheap reward systems, mm. those cheap reward patterns that they're creating in their brain, it's going to be that much easier for them to go for a cheap reward in the kitchen. It's going to be that much easier for them to search for instant gratification with their food. If they're able to analyze that porn is something they shouldn't be doing um, and they feel bad about it, but they go ahead and do it anyway because it gives them this sense of emotional control. Then they're creating that pattern in their brain um, that they can transfer into the kitchen. They know that they shouldn't be binging on the Oreos. They know yeah. <laughs> it's not something they want to be doing. They know it's going to ruin their progress. They know it's going to make the money they invested yeah. less valuable, but they do it anyway. So any situation where a client could be creating that pattern of instant gratification, 
or dopamine reward systems, cheap dopamine reward systems, we try to address that so that it doesn't bleed into their nutrition. Because if you think about it, cravings themselves have nothing to do with hunger. You see the people who are the fattest in the world on my 600 pound life, and they have the worst cravings in the world. They uh-huh. can't go a day without, you know, having an entire 12 pack of, of Coca-Cola. Oh my God, um, yeah. Those people are definitely not the hungriest people in the world, right? They're eating all day, all the time. So it kind of lets us know that your cravings when you're binging on Oreos or downing an entire slice of pizza and not even knowing why you continue to eat, it has nothing to do, to do with you being hungry. It has more to do with you searching for that cheap dopamine reward. And that's where the idea of stress eating comes into play. When somebody is stressed, when somebody has a shit day at work or their wife yelled at them or their boss yelled at them, and if you catch this on the camera, this is my cat, (laughs) he will pop in every now and then. Um, But if somebody is having these high stress environments constantly take place, then they feel a lack of control over their emotions because these external factors are stressing them. So they turn to these cheap dopamine reward systems, whether it be porn, whether it be food, whether it be drugs, um, that give them that sense of emotional control. And this is something that we're very aware of in society in regards to drugs when people come from, quote unquote, broken broken homes or terrible environments Mm -hmm. or stressful work situations. They start doing drugs. They start drinking. But I think that people do the exact same thing when it comes to food. They're busy all the time. They're in a relationship they're not happy with. They're not the person they want to be. So they have that lack of emotional control. They're going to go ahead and medicate with food. That actually makes a lot of sense. And I kind of wanted to get into that a little bit more in regards to, I guess, the weakness of people or the herd, I guess, in short. Um, the one of the reasons why you're you're one of my favorite follows is because you fucking you keep it a buck fifty like you don't you don't play around you don't make excuses you don't try to make people feel like comfortable that's one of my favorite things because everyone else in the world is like hey let me let me uh, let me freaking keep you protected let me keep you sheltered you know and I'm like that's not reality you're not setting anyone up for success. You're setting them up for for just being the bare minimum and being happy with it. I'm like, well, do you want the bare minimum? Do you want to slave away your life nine to five or working even longer hours to somebody that doesn't care about you that'll let you go in the split of a blink eye? Like, it's dumb. Like, it it doesn't make any points. Um, In short, I mean, I did save, like, a few tweets that I kind of want to go over that I wanted you to, like, to dive in a little bit more. What would you... Uh, say in regards to like the so this is one thing you posted a few weeks ago the weak justify the actions of the weak what's what's certain examples that you've yeah. seen like in regards to that and like again like I said major pros man I know this is a little bit more yeah. different but I do I do love a lot of what you post that's why I wanted you to be one of my first ones Ex- again excuse the yeah. technical difficulties but like honestly you're the shit man and I was like I gotta get this guy on yeah, well, first off, man, I really appreciate that. You know, that, that means a lot coming from you, man. I know that you're someone who, has, you know, exemplifies that that sort of mindset as well. And um, it's, it's honestly a blessing when you can connect with people who share a similar mindset. Um, but in terms of that idea that the weak justify the actions of the weak, it's something that I learned um, when I first started my entrepreneurial journey. And it's something that I learned the hard way honestly Mm -hmm. um and let me just give you some background here um jack and myself um jack bly 
Um, he is my business partner, my best friend. Um, we work together every day. He comes over to my house. Um, we work on our offers. We work on all this business stuff, marketing stuff, yada, yada, yada. Nice. Coaching our clients. We actually coach our clients together. Um, we handle slightly different roles with each client. Mm. Um, so when Jack and I um, became best friends, we were in our freshman year of college. And we had had the same friend, friend group um, all through middle school and high school. So literally, I've known some of the kids in, in our friend group uh, since I was five years old. And Jack and I started to become best friends in college because we were hanging out with our friend group, drinking every single weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and not just every weekend. If it was the weekend, we were drinking Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and we realized that after you know, the, the 3 a.m., 4 a.m. benders, um, we would be the only ones out of our friend group to still wake up at at least 9 a.m. the next day to the gym. <laughs> and get oh, shit. So that we can go out drinking the next night, right? I thought you were going to say you woke up at 9 and started drinking. I was like, what a savage. Major props, though, seriously. Yeah, so this is something that we start to recognize as a pattern, right? And we realized that we were a little bit different um, than everyone else. And these are people that we're still friends with today, so absolutely no disrespect, but we're, we just start to notice that we are a bit different, and I'm sure they would say the same thing. Um, and, you know, we started to become best friends, started training together, started drinking together, mm -hmm. and we literally had a one-on-one -on -one discussion one night after the gym um, talking about this very idea that there is no way we are the same as everyone else around us because we do everything differently. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there should be no reason why we can't accomplish quote-unquote more than everyone else around us. And that's kind of how we started the idea of Vigor Games, of our company, and started coaching people. Um, but throughout this process, it, throughout you know the first year of starting the company of quitting my job of skipping out on the parties of quitting the binge drinking and all those mm. bad habits um we start to get little comments right from friends and people around us you know saying you guys are crazy like it's okay you know have a night of drinking you know whatever it may be you know just go off your diet tonight it's fine like yada 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 you know all the little things that people start to comment on when they see you doing something differently when they see you taking control um and it wasn't that you know these people were trying to hurt us because they're our friends right they mm -hmm. actually want to see us succeed but it just get, goes to show that they're probably encouraging us to participate in these bad habits just to justify their own bad habits yeah because there's no situation where a friend would want to see your downfall if they're a true friend but if that friend recognizes that their own habits are self-destructive they want to bring you back down to that level so they start to justify their own actions by trying to get you back on board with them um, and that is that is the primary uh, way that I started to learn that lesson. It's been something that um, I reiterate to, to clients, to, to the Twitter audience, time and time again, because if you ever make the decision to start bettering your life, 
whether it means you're going to start waking up early to go to the gym or you're going to skip out on the parties because you're working on a side hustle or you're going to you know say I, i'm not going out to eat tonight i'll see you guys after um, because you have a specific diet to stick to there's always going to be people weak people who are trying to justify their actions and they're going to justify those actions by telling you it's okay to take this day off even though you weren't planning on it it's okay to have this one day of bad habits but there's always going to be those situations coming up in life especially when you start to set yourself up for a level of success that is quote-unquote higher than the people around you one of the things that i realize is that people don't like it when you when you start to break away from the herd, when you start to not become like, like, again, like kind of like what I said earlier, you're not a sheep anymore. You're the black sheep when you're trying to better yourself in any other way. Although you, those people do want to see you succeed. They want to see you move up at the same time. I don't, I don't know if it's a subconscious thing or they're actively aware of it. Um, some people just don't want you to be doing better than them. Uh, that might be the jealousy of, of, people so i mean i kind of wanted to ask you this more so like on a personal note in regards to your friends i'm i would assume you had like maybe some maybe not but i just want to see if you if you have but maybe people that were like oh you can't do this or why are you doing this or you are you're crazy yeah. or anything like that how did that go and, and like how did you handle that man this is a really interesting subject because i've never had a friend or a family member explicitly say you can't do this mm -hmm. um, because I think most of my friends and family members saw the amount of work that I had been putting in mm -hmm. um, and start to take it seriously and then they start to see results which um, you know just solidify that even more mm -hmm. but what I did have um, apart from people encouraging me to do things that distract me from my goal yeah. um, was people how do I say this in a respectful way? <laughs> you don't have to be. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> um, people basically trying to tell me that it's good that you're seeing some success, but it's still illegitimate and illegitimate, right? And you need, you know, a plan B. And there's nothing wrong with having a plan no. B. But the way they're saying it wasn't. Uh, in, a, in a caring way, it was more trying to encourage me to basically give up the dream. Right? Like pull back? Which, right, right, like pull back. And I think that it's something that it, it's extremely painful um, if you're trying to do something different, trying to better yourself, and someone tries to discourage you um, because you instantly feel attacked, right? Mm -hmm. You feel like, well, why doesn't this person believe in me? why does this person want me to fail at something that I clearly care about? Um, but it's important to consider that, especially if this is a family member or a friend, that everybody does the best they can with what they have, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that so-and-so wants you to fail at starting your business or wants you to fail at losing weight when you're making all these sacrifices. It may just be that given their experiences, given what they know, given what they believe, they don't see how your path leads to success. So that person may actually have your best interests in mind. They just may not know what you know. They just may not know that it's possible for you to actually 
lose 20 pounds if their entire life they were unable to lose the fat. They had tried every diet. They So they think that you investing in, in a coach or a program is a waste of money. Or they may not know that it's actually possible to build your own business because they were told they needed to go to college and, and get a nine to five job and that's what they did and that's what they're successful with. I truly believe that even in those situations where people may be discouraging you or trying to kind of pull you back, I think that most people are still doing the best they can with what they have. They probably have your best interests in mind and you need to keep that open mind so that number one, you don't take offense um, if somebody is discouraging you, but number two, you don't push that person away um, and you don't get discouraged yourself. Got you. So, I, I mean, I like that because that's more of a the glass is half full mindset. And that's that's one of the things that I've been recently personally like more more aware of what my thoughts are, because those are what shape you into what you currently are and who you want to be. And I think visualization and just reiterating yeah. what what you are is extremely important personally. Um, I'm, I'm glad that overall you've had a pretty good support system because a lot of people don't go that, uh, don't have that. A lot of people get a lot of pushback. They're like, you can't do this or you're yeah. crazy or anything like that. In regards to like how you and Jack like started, like how did you guys break that transition from, I guess, being like drinking buddies and then just kind of like, yeah. I, I get the transition from like just doing that to the gym. Like I get that because I've been there. How have you gone from yeah. the transition to like actually having like meetings, networking uh, in regards yeah. to doing your coaching sessions? Because that's a big jump. And I know obviously you yeah. guys both have that same mindset and that's already obviously like a huge play into that. But I kind of, I kind of wanted yeah. to hear on that. Yeah, man, I think that allowed us to make that transition was the willingness to have hard conversations. Mm. So in this day and age, especially with the encouragement of social distancing going on nowadays, hard conversations are actively discouraged. Yeah. Most people, especially around our age bracket, probably can't remember that they had a hard conversation can't remember the last time they had a hard conversation with somebody or a deep conversation with somebody and really got to know them on a deep level it's how are you oh i'm good how's this going oh work work sucks it's monday oh yeah school's going great oh let's drink let's get drunk yada 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 mm-hmm. that's the surface level conversations that most people are having but when jack and i started to become friends one of the things that made that friendship so different from anything else I've ever experienced was our ability to have those hard conversations, right? Um, whether it was about our girlfriends or whether it was about the gym, or whether it was about our beliefs. And when the time came um, for us to make the next step in our lives, basically after our freshman year in college, we had a hard, hard conversation. So we literally had a conversation after the gym one day, um, and I don't even know how the conversation started, mm-hmm. but we were asking each other, you know, what are your, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do with your life? And the answers were something along the lines of, um, I, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I want to take care of Brooke. That's my girlfriend. He wanted to take care of Ray. That was his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever, you know, whatever way I could possibly, you know, 
find a way to make enough money to provide for and support and protect um, both of our girlfriends. That seemed to be the main goal. Um, and we had that conversation and we figured that the standard route for us didn't seem to be um, what was going to lead us to our goal. So we literally looked at each other in the eyes and said, well, we're different than each other. Mm-hmm. We're different than other people, sorry. Um, and most other people would have this conversation and then go about their days and just wake up the next morning and do it all over again and restart yep. the cycle and never make any changes and then complain again and again about how they want more out of their lives. So let's fucking do it. Let's go tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Let's meet in an office and let's plan out how exactly we're going to reach our goals. So we literally, the next, very next morning, 7 a.m., we woke up and we drove to the library of the community college in North Town, and we just got in a quiet study room, and we had a blank sheet of paper, and we were like, what are we going to do? We had no idea that we were going to be fitness coaches a year and a half down the road, that we we're going to have a company, that we we're going to be you know, impacting people on, on intimate levels, but we literally just had that hard conversation and then followed it up with action. Um, and I think that that's probably the most lacking quality that people are finding in their relationships in this day and age. And I think that if people just sacked up and had the hard conversations with the people they loved and then followed those hard conversations with actions, they would find themselves in very different spaces uh, than they are right now. I I completely agree more. I think I think what a lot of people have issues with in regards to like you said they have those conversations but a lot of people never act up on it or they're too scared to act on it or they're they're scared of failure so they're they're just not willing to take that risk but in order to move on with anything you're there's always going to be risks there's there's this thing that i heard recently that was something along the line if i was like if you take risks you'll probably fail but if you never take risks you're always for sure going to fail yeah in short and i love that and i was like well that's pretty fucking on point because yeah. i don't know i mean it's just it's just a, it's just a mixture of emotions how did you overcome like the the fear of potentially failing or did you just look past it because i know most people uh kind of well that's kind of where i'm at right now like in regards to my reason for wanting to better myself my reason for for wanting to be a better man, like, I want to be a provider. I think that's just something that's 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 already in us because that's that's my goal. I was like, even if I don't have to be right now, I want to set myself up for my fa- for for my failures for my future. You know, just so that way I'm not worrying about it. I'd rather kind of like in reference to what you posted recently too. I was like, work now in your 20s, so you're not struggling in your 30s. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. everyone was at their own pace, but I'm like, mm, I'd, I'd rather be younger. I'd rather be healthier. I'd rather have money now instead of the future, because what's the yeah. point of enjoying all of that? Like your money and everything when you're 60, I'm like, I don't want to do that personally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way that I think I overcame that fear of failure and the way I think that everyone can overcome their fear of failure, whether it be in business, in fitness, in relationships, whatever it may be, is not only 
understanding the risks involved because we talk a lot about risk versus reward. Yes. So the conversation people have with themselves is if I do this, I could fail and look stupid. Right. Or if I do this, I can fail and lose money. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I do this, the, the rewards may be that I make more money or that I look smart or that I look, um, more powerful, whatever the desire is. But we also need to consider the cost of inaction. So what happens if I never do this? So when I look at my goals and I look at my future, which there's still a ton of risk involved and I'm nowhere near my goals right now, um, I always make sure I ask myself not only the risk of failing, maybe losing some money, maybe looking kind of stupid, but I also ask myself the cost of inaction. So if I never take this action, if I never make this investment, if I never get my skin in the game, I'm probably going to look back in 10 years and think I was just being a bitch or think I was being scared or I'm going to be wondering what could have been and I'm going to be pissed. So I think so many people only focus on the possible risks of failing um, and the, the possible rewards of failing. They weigh those things out. But you also also need to consider the cost of never taking action. How are you going to look at your inaction 10 years down the road? Um, and like you said, there if you take risks, you are likely to fail. But if you never take those risks, you are guaranteed to fail. And I think that the guarantee of failure is worse for me than the risk of failure, um, especially when you're doing something um, for your deep why, for somebody you love, for your mm-hmm. future family. Um, it, understanding that also, the, the cost doesn't only affect you, um, whether or not you are in a relationship or you have kids or you're planning on having kids. Think about how your kids might feel about you being too afraid to take a risk. Think about how your future kids might feel about you being too afraid to make an investment. Are they going to have their absolute best possible lives if you never take a risk and never put yourself out there? Are you creating that possibility for them or are you guaranteeing that your future kids are just going to have an average life since you're playing it safe the whole time? Um, I think that calculating the cost of inaction um, and then also realizing how that inaction is going to affect your deep why, whether that's your family, whether that's your future kids, um, is a great place to start for most people. And I think that when somebody deeply understands their why, so they know why they're doing things, not just I want to lose some weight because I want to look better. No, I want to lose some weight um, because I want to have more energy because I want to be able to play with my son at the end of the night because I want my son to think I'm a good dad because I didn't have a good dad, right? When somebody understands their why on a deep level, it seems like making decisions that don't let them achieve their why makes them almost a bad person. Like if you know exactly what you're possibly giving up by not taking action, how can you sit there and and feel, how can you go to sleep at night knowing that your 
future kids are going to have a shittier life because you were too afraid to put yourself out there. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense because that's okay. For me, that's actually a pretty strong motivator. Um, so yeah. for, for me and my family, which, which I love and, and, and everything, and, but we never really had much growing up as a kid, you know, like yeah. in, in short, like I was literally working from, from eight years old to 18 at a, at a swap meet out here, like literally waking up like at 5am just to freaking set up a stand, um, drive like an hour away, um, and everything like that. And literally stayed there from like 5am to like 6pm, like uh, every weekend. I didn't have one weekend to myself bro that shit was depressed <laughs> couldn't watch cartoon network or anything like that but like i mean it, it was fine like and i hated it as a, as a child but now i appreciate and i respect it because that's something that a lot of other people didn't have to go through uh and and for me that's probably one of the reasons why i don't i don't i'm not happy with complacency like truthfully i i have been in in the past but i'm trying to break that cycle i don't want to be a part of that anymore i i want to do my own thing and yeah i've 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 um i've expanded uh, on things like in in the past like one of the most recent things i've been doing is i guess like losing weight well last year i was yeah. 255 now i'm 195 i believe give or take so i've done that i've been going down and um and then I've learned on the stock market and stuff like that. That took a lot of fucking work. Yeah. But I feel like once I understood a grip of it, I lost my passion. And I think that's kind of set me down like a weird mental path, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, in regards to like another another tweet that I wanted to go over, like in short, you, you posted. Yeah. Let me go ahead and find it real freaking quick. I'm telling you, man, you post a lot of good shit. And then one of my favorite things about you as well, on top of you posting good shit, you don't fucking just say it like a lot of fucking people. You do it. You get after it. That's that's one of the things I admire about you. But uh, let me see. It's why you do is as important as what you do. Aside from the kids and, and wanting to provide for your girlfriend, is there anything else like in particular that makes you gives you more drive gives you more motivation like is it than clients or, or what is it that kind of drives you a little bit more a little bit deeper into that yeah yeah that, that's a great question um why you do is as important as what you do that's fantastic um so the, the other big motivator for me um is is very it, it might be I don't know if I don't know if I can say one is bigger than the other, but obviously one of my big whys, like you said, is being able to provide for my girlfriend and future family in the future because that's something I, I want to do. Um, but the other big why that I think everybody has, and they're either too afraid to confront it and admit it, or they can't figure out how to confront it or admit it um but i think the other big why is the pain i've experienced so some people might not have a girlfriend or a wife or a family or they might not be planning on having a family anytime soon so it's hard for them to find that deep why um but i think everybody at a certain point in their life has experienced um an extreme amount of pain where they thought that there's almost no point in living right mm. so for me that was my childhood and look i'm not gonna sit here and say that i had a hard childhood in terms of 
being poor and in terms of being in a broken home, my parents were the most loving, they are the most loving and supportive parents I could possibly ask for. And I lived in a middle class family and I got great, you know, presents and Christmas, the whole nine yards. Went to a great school, nothing to complain about there. But this one aspect of my childhood created so much pain that it actually changed the tra- trajectory of my life forever. And it's actually the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today. Um, so when I was a kid, I literally thought that it was normal to visit your parents in the hospital every Jeez. Um, my dad and his entire family, his entire extended family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, everyone had diabetes, type 2 diabetes, which is not um, something you're born with. It's something that you acquire later in life because of your actions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was basically in the hospital multiple times a year throughout my childhood. And I thought it was normal to visit him every single year i would just wait for the call from my mom saying your dad's in the hospital um we're gonna go visit him right um anytime i came home from school and nobody was home where there are no cars in the driveway i knew most likely my dad's in the hospital um it was that normal for me and it's not something that i was angry at as a little kid and not something that i had pain about as a little kid i wasn't showing up to the hospital and screaming at my dad right as a little five-year-old <laughs> um but when i turned i want to say 16 17 i started to learn a bit more about diabetes right yeah um, in school literally just in school and i started to realize that the disease of diabetes type 2 diabetes itself was a hundred percent preventable so I'm sitting there in class in high school in one of my health science classes, and my professor is telling me that the disease that has cursed my family since I was a little kid has caused me to miss birthday parties, that has caused our family financial struggles, the entire nine yards, right? That has basically made my childhood unnecessarily painful. He's telling me that that was 100% preventable. 100% preventable. And I'm sitting there just in complete awe, right? So I start to do my research, start to learn more about the disease. And I start to realize that pain that I had experienced as a child wasn't by chance. That ha- my dad having diabetes wasn't just bad luck, that it was actually a result of the actions he was taking. And that's when the real pain started to set in because I was questioning why he was exhibiting those behaviors, why he was binging on food at night. If he knew that it was gonna end up with him in the hospital and me not being sure if he was gonna come back the next morning, why did he continue to do that? Do that? I was thinking, did he even care about our family? About yeah. the financial burden that he's putting on my mom? About the, the uncertainty that he's causing me and my little brother and my older brother? And I started to get really angry about this. Until one day, I was at work, um, and I got a call from my dad this time, right? And he says, I need you to come home right now. I need you to take me to the emergency room. Um, And I had a completely straight face. I wasn't shocked at all. I asked my boss if I can leave. I hopped in my truck, and I sped home. took me about 10 minutes to get home. And I had no idea what I was walking into. 
But I opened the front door, and I see my dad laying there, and he's crying. And he's saying, oh, my God, I, I feel so bad. I feel like I let you guys down, that I'm, I have to go to the hospital again. And I didn't say a word. But in my head, I'm thinking, yes, you fucking let us down. I am fucking pissed. How could you do this? How could you not change your actions? The whole, you know, script of whoa is me. Why would you do this to me, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't say a word. We hop in the car, and I speed my dad to the emergency room. Um, and without saying a word, I, I let him walk out of the car. I say goodbye, and I speed home again, completely silent, not playing, not blaring any music, nothing. Just dead staring down the road um, with tears filling my eyes. And I get home. I look at myself in the mirror. And I start to honestly analyze my own body. I start to see that thin layer of fat over my my gut hanging over. Um, And I realized that I was going to end up just like my dad if I didn't change something i started to honestly realize that i was binging on food all the time that i was binging on pizzas ice creams whatever maybe that had shitty food habits and i justified it because i went to the gym twice a week and i played sports so i didn't look like the people on my 600 pound life um but when i realized that my own habits were identical to the habits that caused me so much pain i put my foot down and I told myself, I will never let my future family go through the pain that my family has gone through. I'll never let my future kids go through the pain that my kids have gone through. And that's when I really start to take everything seriously and figure out all the systems and take charge of my own fitness and eventually become a body transformation coach who helps people do the same. So that pain that I experienced is as big of a motivator for me as the level of success, the level of success that I want to achieve, if not even bigger, right? Um, but that would definitely be my other motivating factor other than just my big why is just never wanting the people I care about to experience the pain that I did. I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's a that's a really heavy story in, in regards to having to go through that, especially as a kid on top of that. I, I can see, do you think pain is a good motivator? Because I personally think it is. Obviously, off of your story, it sounds like it is. But aside from that question, if people don't have that pain, which everyone does, but in regards to like the magnitude of it, because yours is a pretty intense one. Yours can can actually want you to do the opposite. You can, you'll can you be the, the person who breaks a cycle, which is one thing that I aim yeah. to be as well on my end. But what if people don't have that? that pain do you know any other way that other than like how they can find it like i i know it's a tough question because we're obviously not in their position but kind of just just speculating on your behalf right so two things um about that question number one is i think that pain is a significant motivator in this day and age um I think that it's a powerful motivator and it should be a motivator that people um, search for um, because it's it's unfathomable. If you've gone through some shit and you care about someone, you don't want them to go through that shit that you went through. Um, but if somebody is struggling with finding that pain, which is probably common, 
2021 where we have the softest society in the history of the world right? oh man the participation um, trophies though man <laughs> exactly exactly it's probably hard to find pain for a lot of people yeah <laughs> people are so good nowadays but if somebody realizes that pain is is a significant motivator and they need to find whatever pain they've experienced i would <clears throat> bring up to point, the point to them that if Excuse me. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're having trouble finding that pain, or if you don't have that pain, it's probably because you haven't done enough. Mm-hmm. If your life is really so good, so sheltered, that you literally have never experienced pain, then what risks have you taken? What level of effort have you put in in anything? If you have not experienced that pain, then you that's that should be a an equally powerful motivator that you need to take your shit to the next level because right now you're shit so bottom level that you literally haven't experienced pain. And in today's society, like we're talking about, it is so easy to live that comfortable life. It is average to have a life free of pain it is average to have a life where your entire existence is just spent chasing these cheap dopamine rewards and spent looking for the easiest safest route and so many people probably go through life without ever experience that experiencing that true pain because they've never taken risks powerful enough to have any kind of percussion so if you're having trouble finding any kind of pain to motivate you i would say that you haven't tried hard enough whatever it is you're trying to do if you've never experienced a loss in business you haven't invested enough anybody who's invested a significant amount in business <laughs> to try to get some kind of return has experienced a loss if you haven't experienced a plateau in the gym ever it you can't tell me that you've actually given it your ever in trying to progress um so i think that if somebody is struggling to find that pain they need to understand that the reason they haven't found that pain is probably because they haven't done anything like yeah it's like sometimes you just need a little push one way or another um i i've had a few like situations where i've been like forced out of like maybe like a place to live and stuff like that where for me personally that put the pressure on that made that forced me to either succumb to the pressure or or to become like a better version of myself so i can take care of myself so that's that's the good thing i was like i think a lot of people need to be put under pressure because if not they can't really yeah. see who they can really be because if not then you just give up you know what's yeah. a, what's a huge obstacle like that like a majority of like your clients have or like any objections or any issues like that by far the biggest obstacle that my client's face is false limiting beliefs okay so it's not that any of the people who come to me are actually incapable of losing weight um it's not that the people who come to me haven't lost weight before in fact most of my clients are people who have lost weight before who actually uh gained it all back right um but what happens to be the problem is actually people who are struggling with these 
false limiting beliefs. So they don't see themselves as the person who could actually lose weight and keep it off eating the foods they enjoy. They think that that is a pipe dream. Or they have failed so many other times with fad diets or uh, over-restrictive diets, not only failing them, but gaining all the way back. They've done that. They've gone through that cycle time and time again that they aren't even in a position to think that they can achieve significant weight loss or transform their bodies. They've kind of just accepted this false identity of themselves as, you know, I'm the fat guy or I'm the skinny guy. Mm -hmm. Um, So the biggest challenge for them um, and the biggest challenge for me as a coach is getting them to overcome those false limiting beliefs. I love to use the analogy um, to kind of prove this point of the kidnapping. So it just kind of proves that your your pro- most people's problems isn't that they're unable to lose weight, but that they just don't believe they can do it themselves. Um, if I kidnapped your entire family, right, and I had a gun to their head, and I said, you have 30 days to lose 10 pounds or they die. You, anyone in the world would figure out how to lose 10 pounds, right? They're they would dog mode. Hey, they would go. They would go run all day. They would. They wouldn't eat a thing, um, because they have that motivating factor. So, the problem isn't actually that people don't know how to lose weight. It's that they don't believe they can do it um, in a way that is sustainable for them. They identify as the fact. They identify as the skinny guy, and they haven't yet been shown a system, or they haven't yet worked with somebody who can show them a system so effective that it shatters those false limiting beliefs. Love to tell the story of one of my one of the guys in my Hall of Fame, Tom, who is one of my most successful clients ever. He was a college athlete. Okay, he played football in college and he was jacked. He was squatting over four hundred pounds. He was benching over three hundred pounds. He was an athlete, a freak. Um and when he got out of college, when he got out of college, he you know got into the typical busy guy sales job, um, where it was just the easiest thing to do was turn to McDonald's and grab a bite to eat. And he got extremely overweight. He was over 330 pounds. And he messaged me on Twitter actually, and I was just kind of talking about his struggles, trying to see what he was going through, see if I can help him out. Um, and when I asked him if he wanted my help, um, he literally messaged me, think that I would be a good client because I don't think I can actually, um, you know, put in the work. I don't think I can lose the weight. Um, and I think that I'm just going to be a waste of your time, right? Um, so the biggest challenge for me right there in that moment was crushing that false limiting belief for him before I even designed a workout program for him, before I even designed a training plan for him, I had to make sure that he believed he could actually achieve what he wanted to achieve. Um, So when I was able to do that by showing him, you know, stories, sharing with him stories of people that were in in his exact situation that were able to see success, um, at the end of the conversation, he was telling me why he's going to be the best client ever why he's going to give you the best transformation ever why he's going to kill it from day one 
So I was able to shatter that false limiting belief for him. And then he ended up losing 28 pounds in eight weeks. And now I talk about him almost daily on my timeline. I, I'm always putting him out there as an example of this ideal client who absolutely crushed it. So by far, the number one struggle, the number one obstacle that people are facing is their own false limiting beliefs. I think that's uh, that's the one you posted about today, right? If I'm correct. Yeah. I posted yeah, no. that exact, Tom exactly said. Yeah, I watched that. Shout out to Tom. That's that's awesome. Yeah. 20 oh, yeah. Two months, that's a gangster. And, and like yeah. I said, yeah. prop, the next challenge is making sure we keep it off. Because right. I, I've heard of people, I, I just listened to this podcast the other day that some guy that did the the Spartan racing, um, the guy pretty much, uh, he, they tricked him into doing, I think it was a 5K. And this guy was, they said he was going to walk, but he he ended up having to run it or jog it. It's like yeah. about, uh, it took him a few hours, but he ended up doing it. And the head of the Spartan, uh, I guess the company itself, they ended up uh, reaching out to him and they ended up bringing him down from like 620, 630 to maybe like 290. But he rebounded to like 410, like in a month or two, because he was just yeah. eating everything. Like he, he changed his whole life around, but mm. I'm like, go back so it's just all about that sustainability which is why yeah i i'm i'm against anything that's too fast it just sounds yeah too, there's usually a catch to it it's it, like i said like when people say it's not if it sounds too good to be true usually it is Absolutely. usually I'm, I'm a little hesitant so you want to make sure that you focus on those those things that are going to keep you going for the rest of your life that consistency i was like you don't have to sprint just jog first then yeah. you run and then you can get to sprinting but don't just sprint because yeah. you're out Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. And that's why sometimes I'm hesitant to actually tell Tom's story because you have to keep in mind, he was 300 plus pounds overweight. So 28 pounds in eight weeks wasn't like the same as somebody who is 205 and wants to get leaner. But mm -hmm. the secret to actually him sustaining those results is implementing systems. So systems, right? They're like a map that guide us to the top of the mountain. The goal, right? Losing 28 pounds. Let's just make that the goal. Losing 28 pounds, that's the destination. That's the top of the mountain. And there are so many ways that we can get to the top of the mountain. We can do a fad diet. We can do an over-restricted diet. We can run an hour a day every day for eight weeks, right? And we'll get to the goal. We'll get to the top of the mountain. But if the system that we used to get that to the goal, if the map that we used to get to the top of the mountain isn't sustainable, then once we get there, we're gonna fall right back off and end up at the foot of the mountain again. So the secret to actually being one of the people who not only loses weight, but ends up keeping it off and enjoying their damn life, which is the point anyway, um, is making sure that along that journey, you are implementing systems to get to the goal. Because after you reach the goal, you're still going to have those systems and you're going to be able to apply them to every single other goal that you have throughout the rest of your life. So at the end of Tom's weight loss journey, this is, this is our number one concern as well, because we don't want him to just be one of these guys that loses 28 pounds and gains all back, right? Mm -hmm. our, our number one job as coaches wasn't the program, wasn't the training plan. It wasn't the calories and macros, right? It was making sure that he had the systems in his life to actually sustain those results forever. So that's why when 
he recorded that video for me at the end of his program, and he said that he now figured out a way for him to eat for the rest of his life that he's even going to teach his future son. That's what hit me hard. The 28 pounds that he lost, I could give less. I couldn't give less of a shit about. Um, but the impact that the systems had on his life that are that they're going to have on the rest of his life, and the impact that the systems are going to have on his son's life when his son is born, that's accomplishment as a coach. So, so many people need to understand that the top of the mountain is only a piece of the puzzle. That's just the end goal. What's even more important than that is implementing the systems, is getting the map that will guide you to the top of the mountain. Because even if you don't reach your goal, let's say you want to lose 20 pounds in, in uh, three months, even if you lose 10 pounds in three months, at least you have the map. At least you have the system that you can continue implementing to eventually reach that goal. But if you never implement the system, you're either going to hit your goal and fall right off the mountain, or you're not going to hit your goal, and you're going to give up because you have no map guiding you for that next step that's going to lead you to your goal. A hundred percent. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about fitness. You can translate that over to your personal life. You can uh, translate that to your business. You can translate it anything. You need to have a set plan. Otherwise, you won't really proceed to the next step. You need to make sure you're you're moving in the right trajectory, you know? So, and like I said, a lot of people are Absolutely. just wandering. Um, yeah. For me, I, I think you're currently climbing the mountain, not physically, more so like on a business and personal level for yourself. Do you think you're, how, how are you compared to before you started this business and how are you now emotionally are you a lot happier are you a lot more sustained yeah. are you motivated because obviously you have purpose and obviously you're driven and you are you more than yeah. likely were before because like for example you were still hitting up the gym after drinking like that's 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 awesome yeah. you know? so you obviously had a drive in you before and that's what set you apart mm. but how are you emotionally back then and now if you can yeah that? yeah for sure i mean i definitely always had a drive um i was you know an athlete as a kid and like you said, I would still get my ass to the gym 9 a.m. after a night of drinking. <laughs> um, and I still have that drive um, now. But the biggest difference by far is my level of gratitude. In the beginning, um, when I first started this journey, I had the drive and I had my why and I was motivated. And there's somebody uh, ringing my doorbell. Sorry oh, about no. that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just make sure it's... Um, Nothing important here. Oh, you're a big proponent yeah. of that pizza, right? I'm like, that's one of your signatures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how often, uh, how often do you eat them, or do you make them? I I make them anytime I crave pizza. Um, yeah. so I mean, pizza is probably my favorite food. Burgers are a close second. Um, yeah, that that's what I've been on before I was into fitness, and uh, that's what I uh, it's kind of like my go-to cheat is if I'm I'm quote-unquote cheat is if I'm ever uh you know, off of my diet or on a maintenance phase or a gaining phase, mm. I will, uh, I'll go get some really high quality pizza. But when I'm in a cutting phase, um, and which is, you know, 90% of my clients, um, they're, they're trying to lose weight. Um, anytime I'm craving that pizza, man, I go for the pizza. Um, so it, it literally came about as like being in the middle of a diet and I was just hungry as hell. And I wanted pizza. And I had that conversation with myself where I was so close to just being like, you know what, Epic, I'm just going to have a cheat meal. Um, I'm going to go get some pizza from 
the uh, the pizza place by my by my house, and um, I was just like, no, nah, I, I can't break this diet. So I, you know, did a bunch of research, got ideas from other people, and kind of tweaked it myself to just get the lowest calorie possible while tasting the best. Um, and if you follow the recipe that I have on my page, I have a thread just breaking down the whole recipe for everyone to see um, for free. Um, the pizza comes out to like 180 calories with like 19 grams of protein. Um, and so if, when you, when I follow the recipe for a typical dinner for me, um, you know, I can have like four or five of those things. Um, and you know, still be in my calorie deficit, still lose weight. <laughs> um, but I literally found that that recipe is almost too low calorie for the amount of food that I get. Um, like I just, I may, I'll make four pizzas and I'll be so fucking stuffed that I'm like, dude, like I'm a, I'm stuffed on like this diet. Like I'm not even going to hit like my calories on, on this diet. Like what the heck? Um, so I, even right now I'll, sometimes I'll make like two or three pizzas and I'll just put like double the amount of uh, cheese that I put on a normal pizza, um, just to, so I don't get stuffed and I can finish the damn food. But yeah, man, that pizza is is a life hack for me. My clients use it. I use it all the time. And, um, yeah, it's almost, it's almost too good. Um, to the point where like, I literally can't finish it sometimes. It's so filling. Dude. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite things. I think, I don't know. I think somebody retweeted you and that's how I found you actually. Um, really? And I was like, say less, sir. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like, I think it's a good like little marketing thing for like from a business point of view. I'm like, I think yeah. that's pretty good. Like that's the eye catching personally. Um, I think if anyone's listening to this or whoever's listening to this, I think you should probably give that a look and as well as sign up for his. Uh, for his you have one, right? You send out. Do you send out weekly emails or? Yeah, yeah, I'm sending out weekly emails. You know, just breaking down all my secrets. Um, thing that I think a lot of people don't know about me I'm just an absolute nerd when it comes to uh, training and nutrition I don't talk about it much on Twitter uh, just because I'm trying to get you know that the, the message across so that we can get a high level of stuff um, you know behind the newsletter wall but if you're you know if you're somebody who's really looking to just completely optimize what you're doing that you know that's what the newsletter's for I, I just bleed out all my secrets things that I'm doing in the gym every single day of my nutrition too i think that's great yeah like i said everyone should go ahead and give them a follow uh one of the last things i wanted to talk about before you let go personally is i wanted to hear more so like about uh about your woman i'm like how long have you known her for yeah. like what do you guys plan on doing tonight etc because i do want to know a little bit more about her because I, I i have seen that you posted that that she's your best friend and i love that yeah uh, like, like I know it sounds cheesy, but like that adoration for like I think that's I think that's a good thing. That's a sign of a like yeah. of a, how a man should be at least from my perspective because I don't like how everyone's all like like to be frank like kind of like trashy with it or like you know like I I prefer how you're doing it like as like a guy to guy like I I respect that like a lot I really well do. man that that's the best compliment I I can receive man because <laughs> um, yeah I mean like 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 you said my my girlfriend's my best friend. And I, if, if you're, if you're in a relationship and that's hard for you to understand, then, you know, that, that sucks. Cause there's so much more to relationships than, you know, like just like you said, like the trashiness that people are, you know, chasing nowadays, but we met in high school, man. Um, yeah. when we were really, really young, um, 15 years old. And I took this so seriously because when I'm growing up as a kid, I don't know, you 
know where I learned this, but I always under I always had the understanding that the purpose of a girlfriend was to lead to marriage, and I, I'm grateful that I, I learned that lesson early on. Um, but I learned it like really early on. Um, you know, probably shout out to my dad for teaching me that. Shout out to my mom. Um, but literally when I was 15 years old, um, I, you know, started hanging out with Brooke. Um, and obviously initially my first impression was just like, damn, like that, that's the hottest girl I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I literally remember like first day of, first day of high school, just like seeing her across the courtyard. I'm just like, oh, I need to talk to that girl. So I started hanging out with her and yeah, I started talking to her and, um, I'm like, dang, I, I like this girl. Like, um, you know, she's funny. I, I can be myself around her. Um, I consider her, her like a friend. Um, and so I literally like spent like two months of my life like praying about it and talking to my parents about it and trying to figure out like if you know asking her to be my girlfriend was a logical move if, if it was going to be the right move you know if I was too young blah 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 but you know eventually I came to the conclusion that um you know I want to be with this girl and I I've never I've never met a girl who was like so real with me who I can be so real around so I was like, I'm going to ask her out. And I'm having these thoughts as a 15-year-old, which is, it sounds weird to people, but I was, I was ahead of the game. Trust I, me. Like, no, I think that's <laughs> I think that makes you more of a man than anyone else. I think that's a good thing, the way your parents raised you and they taught you all about that. For me, on a personal, I I had a different way of learning. For me, it was more so like my yeah. parents forced, and I'm like, I don't want that for myself or for my kids. Yeah. You know? I think that's, that's like... Awesome. Yeah, that for me, I think that's one of the things. And like I said, it's it's all about breaking the cycle, breaking away from the norm. Because if you stay in the norm, yeah. you're the norm, you know, I think like, that's not the goal ever, you know. Yeah. But but yeah, go ahead and continue. I'm sorry. No, dude, that's that's awesome, man. I I love I love how you point that out because it comes back to the same point that breaking these cycles all starts with us. It all starts with the actions that we take. Um, and you know, taking that action in myself, um was something that I'm extremely proud of. I'm 21 years old and I've been together for six years. Um, and bro? Yeah. yeah. He's your props. Okay, I was going to say, like, I thought, like, 23, 24. You're fucking mature as fuck for your age. <laughs> Damn, dude. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, bro. Oh, no, it's true, though. It's serious. No, I love and respect the hell out of people that already have, like, a mature, like, mindset as it is. And you're a lot, yeah, like, I, a lot younger yeah. than I thought before, honestly. Dude, thank you, bro, man. I, I think I think it's just due to the, the experiences I've had and the people that have been around me. So I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, but part of like the maturity um, that I, I tried to exhibit um, was that 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 lesson that I learned early on. Like I learned so many lessons early on, and just the the lesson of the goal of a relationship being marriage, being partners in life, uh, you know, to serve each other was something that I learned really early on. Um, and I took action on it. Like what, with any lesson that you learn in life, whether it be fitness, business relationships, you, you learn the lesson, but then you have to take action and where we are now in our relationship, which is six years, um, of, I, you know, I can't even put into words the amount of struggles that we've overcome over those six years and the amount of, of amazing moments that we've had in those six years. I can't even put into words, but all of the outcome that you see today is the result of both of us um, taking actions, ma have, making hard decisions, you know, confronting a struggle head on and making a hard decision to adjust the way one of us 
is behaving or to make sure that we're doing something more so that the other one feels more validated. But all, all of these outcomes, and I think this translates to literally everything, all of these outcomes, when you see our relationship on my timeline, when you see somebody that has built their business, when you see somebody that has transformed their body, all of those outcomes are the result of hard decisions that that person made followed by hard actions that that person took. And it's absolutely no different with the relationship. I, I think, I think that's, that, that's really great. I think you spoke some really good words that is going to resonate to a lot of people. And nowadays I feel like, again, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I feel like a lot of people, the majority of people aren't in healthy relationships. Like, God, yeah. thank God, like I'm in, I'm in a really good one right now, but it awesome, sounds like yeah, it sounds like you're in an extremely good position, but a lot of people are toxic. So I feel like, like not like in a bad way, but like this is reality. A lot of people are like, oh, yeah. they're cheating. They're all into like going to the clubs. They're like, oh, hey, like yeah. he's not find out. Like they're not in that like that mature mindset that that you're in. And, and I give you major props. And I, I, one of the things that I wanted to ask you as well, I was like, you were mentioning that she's your best friend. What's like one of the things that you admire about her the most? By far, in regards of uh, just her being my best friend, the thing I admire about her most is her sense of humor. Yeah. When I when I first met her, um, I, I don't know how to describe her sense of humor. It's something. It's like extremely quirky and like ironic. Like she will say things that you would just never expect someone to say. That just like catch up already. Like wait, what the, what did you just say? And you have no choice but to laugh at it. But yeah, yeah like. I, you, you can probably you probably start to get some ideas of maybe like you listen to some comedians that just say things that you're like wait that's the last thing I expected yeah punchline you know um, and uh, that that's really her sense of humor and that was the first thing that I really noticed about her was that she just was capable of making me laugh like nothing I'd ever felt before when I was when we were much younger and mm. still to this day man when we hang out like literally our entire time is spent making each other laugh and it's not like we're telling jokes obviously but it's just the way that we're talking about things um yeah. it's the way we're talking about things as we're reacting and like she'll she'll come home you know from work and maybe she had a bad day at work and she'll be telling me about this and this again on and i'll just say something like oh like, really it did make her laugh like this isn't completely unexpected and the same thing i'll, I'll be telling her about uh, like my business, my goals, and things I want to do. She, she'll say something that just, just completely unexpected, making me laugh. And I think that, and I'm so blessed to have uh, a girlfriend, a best friend who um, makes me feel that emotion just on a consistent basis. Because that that emotion is that primal human connection of being able to laugh with somebody or making somebody laugh is is so valuable, and it's something that a lot of people are missing out on nowadays. Yeah, like with everything, I'm, uh, especially in relationships, I think it's all about the consistency. I think if you're going yeah. through those highs, those quick lows, like I said, like where we're talking about like jogging, running, sprinting, I'm like, if you're just going for that quick fix, if you're just going for sex or whatever, or whatever the hell it is, that excitement for a toxic person, I think it's, I think that's, I think that's irresponsible to other people and it's more responsible yeah. to yourself. And I think that's, that's turning you away from a possible relationship like what you have because everyone says they want a relationship like you have, but how many people really act on it, you know? And right. that goes to anything. Like, I want to be a millionaire. Like, what are you doing to be a millionaire? They're like, oh, right. I'm going to the bar and spending 400 bucks every night. I'm like, you're an idiot. I'm like, you don't you act yeah. like, like your plan. I'm like, you have to change that around, you know? Yeah. But I feel I that. I love that, dude. 
Uh, what were you saying? I, I was going to say you said that so well that, like, you want to be a millionaire. What are you doing to become a millionaire? You want to have a great relationship. What are you doing to put yourself in a great relationship? That is that's something that I, I communicate to, like, all my clients is, um, or people on Twitter specifically who are, you know, potentially that want to work with me is if you want to be with the guy with the six-pack, you have to act like the guy with the six-pack now. You don't, you're not going to just magically turn, flip the switch, pay a coach, start a diet, and end up being that person. You actually have to take those actions like you're talking about. You actually have to change your actions to become the person that you want to be. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Oh, man, that's – Gabe's been some facts out here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Last, uh, very last question before I let you go. What's your favorite moment you've had with your girlfriend? Oh, man. Over the six that minutes. Is... I know you guys have had so many memories. So I'm just curious on, like, what stands out, like, the most? Have you guys had, like, a certain day? Was it something simple you guys had, like, at the park or at the beach or whatever it might have been? Or maybe a trip somewhere? <laughs> Dude, that, that's a tough question. Let me think here. Oh. Hmm. I, I can just say that... I can't, I can't think of a moment that was the best. But I'm sure anybody who is in a good relationship, a long-lasting relationship, a relationship um, that's productive, it would probably have a similar answer. And by far, the best moments have been right after the hardest moments. So the moments where we are having the hardest struggles, the moments where we think, we thought, you know, it's going to end, the moment right after that where we realize like the level of unconditional love we have for each other is unimaginable so unimaginable that you can't even like conceive the feeling you get when you feel it um when we realize that we have that love for each other those are by far the best moments right after you think that the ship is sinking and you realize that it's actually the most powerful shit that you can possibly imagine those are by far the best moments and those are the moments that make me feel alive that make me just constantly remind me that you know every every ounce of work that we put into our relationship is totally worth it because the level of unconditional love that we have for each other especially when it's present in the moments where it seems like everything's falling apart those moments keep me going Man, I uh, that's a great way to end it. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate your time and everything like that. I think what you have right now is beautiful. Like I said, that's that's what I aspire to be is my relationship. I think I'd like to think it already is. Yeah, kind of that's awesome, kind of, man. Kind of referencing to like the unexpected shit, just a little quick little thing. Um, when I first met my girlfriend, she scared the shit out of me. I was like, that kind of <laughs> explains our relationship as it is. I'm like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. But it's, I don't know, it's, it's amazing when you have somebody like that that can kind of keep you on your toes, you know, like, not to sound cheesy as fuck, but, like, it's, it's true, you know, like, I'm yeah. like, y'all crave someone that's going to be there for us no matter what, no matter what happens, obviously, with the exceptions of cheating, like, I'm not going to stay around for that, but, yeah. but I've been like a life partner, you know, that's, that's always going to be the goal, life partner. and I hope that that's the goal for other people, and if they're not... If, if they're not acting towards it, then maybe they should kind of reevaluate because I think being self-awareness is under being self-aware is underrated. I think that's a good yeah. point to start. And then from there you move on. Uh, but thank you again, man. Where can people follow you? Y'all can follow me on Twitter at Gabe Pluguez. 
Um, it's G-A-B-P-L-U-G-U-E-Z. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the main way y'all can reach out to me. Um, just send me a DM. I, I check all my DMs. I respond to all my DMs. Comment on the post. I, I love interacting with you guys. That's my main channel right now.